Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Andy Shawkind is the CEO of Andigo, a company which helps B2B businesses with their marketing. Andy says that for him, networking is a form of marketing. Thank you very much for being my podcast guest today, Andy. Of course. uh, Pleasure to be here, Liz. Now, you're in the business of helping businesses with their marketing, but have you always worked in this particular sector? Not always, but uh, for a very long time now. Um, I started the company um, many moons ago, more than I'll I'll admit. I came (laughs) out of uh, video post-production work in New York, uh, Mm. which is a, a... uh, a big business in New York, lots of uh, marketing agencies and others. And sort of as that world was going digital, uh, I saw that there were opportunities uh, in digital more properly and uh, made the shift over. Um, and we've been doing it ever since. Right. And what kind of size team do you have these days? It's a small team, uh, uh, the team proper. There are really three of us on the team. And then we have a you know, sort of a group of I don't know, about 15 or 20 uh, regular contributors who are experts in various parts of what we do because what we do is pretty broad. So, you know, our perspective is that uh, trying to be all things to all people is typically a mistake. And mm. so particularly for things like SEO, for example, if mm. you're not doing that all day, every day, you're just not going to be very good at it. So um, rather than keep someone on staff and only have them busy half the time, uh, we rely on other folks like us who, you know, are using this sort of modified agency model, I guess I'd call it. Yeah. Now, I had to look at your website when I was doing a bit of research before our conversation. And uh, I was really intrigued by the statement you have on there, which is you don't want to build a website, you want to build marketing muscle. So can you explain what that means? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, taken in and of itself, a website is really just a very expensive business card at this point, right? It's sort of, you're expected to have it. You have to have it if you're going to be taken seriously as a business. Um, But it's not going to do much for bringing business in unless there's something else that uh, is built into it. So Mm. marketing muscle really refers to what are the ways that you can make the website work as a marketing tool. And that's um, uh, sort of both ends of the spectrum. One is how do you get folks to the website? Um, that can be part of it, a bigger or smaller part of it, depending on on who you are, who your audience is, and what your, your business is. And then once they're on the website, how do you get them to become customers? And usually for us, because we work mostly with B2B businesses, there are a couple of steps in between someone landing on your website and someone uh, sending you a check. Um, but uh, that's all a part of it. And that's the, that's the marketing muscle that we're referring to when we say there's got to be more to your website than just uh, great design and uh, a bunch of pages. Mm. Just coming back to something that you said a few minutes ago about, about having a niche, is, is that something that you see as being important, for, particularly for a small business, that they should have a niche that they are known for? Uh, yes, I, I think that uh, from a marketing perspective, it's pretty critical, which isn't to say that there aren't a lot of generalists out there who do very well, um, but it's just a much harder thing if you're counting on marketing to help you build your business. You could be a generalist and, and do a lot of networking, I think, and, and uh, even there, I think having something that you specialize in that differentiates you, that makes you different from 
other web developers, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty important because it's an easy way for people to remember you. It's an easy way for people to refer you. Um, it's It really is pretty critical, and I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make, trying to be all things to all people and not realizing that, yeah, you're shrinking the, the pool of potential candidates, but the potential candidates that you have then identified are going to be much more excited about what you do because you can help them. That mm. It's easier for them to recognize that you can help them. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it's often when you start out in business, you maybe don't know what your niche is going to be. Um, and, and you know, I know when I started and people saying, oh, you need to niche down, you need to know who your, your target market is. And I thought, but I can, I can work for anybody, anywhere. But that appeals <laughs> to nobody in the end, does it? That's exactly right. Um, uh, one of the things I'm really fond of saying is uh, your prospects don't care about you. Your prospects don't even care about what you do. Your prospects care about what you can do for them. Mm. And that's kind of wrapped up in all of this, that if you can create a, a branding message, a, a marketing message, um, or your elevator pitch or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. that introduction in your, in your networking, that makes it clear that, yes, I, I can help you. Um, then folks are going to respond much more positively than, you know, you giving them all sorts of information about who you are and where you went to school and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just sort of a general, you know, broad brush painting of, of what you can do. Yeah. So how important would you say it is for a small business to have a website? Because it can be quite a quite a big investment. And, you know, there's all sorts of other places we can be these days, all the different social media channels. So is that website still really necessary for a small business? Um, maybe, um, which is an odd thing for someone who does a lot of website development to say, I would imagine. Um, but it, it's true. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, there are businesses out there who I see who seem to be thriving, uh, doing very, very well just on uh, social media presence. And if they have a website at all, it is perfunctory. Mm. Um I would say that for B2B businesses, that's probably a mistake, although we do see a lot more B2B companies active on things like Facebook and Instagram, things that had traditionally been thought of as, you know, more consumer focused. Mm. And the, I think that the, the concern though is whether or not you own the space that your primary that is yes. your primary marketing yeah. vehicle, as we've seen, you know, we don't have to go into the the uh, all that has happened around Twitter over the last mm-hmm. year or so, but that's a really good example. You know, the these social media channels seem like they are uh, just such a big part of the firmament; they're never going anywhere, and yet they do. Even mm-hmm. Facebook, which you know was the be all and end all for a while is, you know, I've, I have kids in their teens and twenties who, you know, just look at me with a, you know, sad shake of the head when I (laughs) mentioned Facebook, right? It's just, that's not their generation's Mm. platform of choice. So, um, yeah, there you go. Yes. We we have no control over whether those stay or go, do we? No, we don't. And that's the point where your website, you really do have that control. And um, I think that's a, a, a critical thing to factor into what you're doing, even if you ultimately decide, hey, uh, uh, I don't need a website. I don't want to make that investment. Um, just be uh, aware that the p- platform you choose could go away. So you might be wise to have se- at least secondary platforms built up to a point that you'd be comfortable moving over to them if you had to. Yeah. So who are your clients? What kind of businesses, what kind of industries do you like to work with? So we do work uh, 
primarily, almost exclusively, but not exclusively with B2B companies, mm -hmm. as I've mentioned. Most of them are in the two to $25 million range in terms of sales. And many of them are uh, mission-driven businesses, B Corps and other folks like mm. that who um, have uh, sort of multiple bottom lines, right? Um, I can give you an example of a, a real estate investment trust that we work with that only invests in affordable housing and charter schools. Mm. So their investment returns are an important part of what they do and an important part of the marketing message, but so is the community impact that they have. Yeah. So those are a lot of the folks that, that, that we work with are, are similar in that way. And how do you help them? What is it that you do specifically that, um, th that they come to you for? So there are essentially three sides to our business, or, or two and a half anyway. <laughs> um, we've been talking about websites, and so we do build and uh, design a lot of websites for a lot of clients. Uh, the half part that I was jokingly referring to is uh, the maintenance work. Uh, whether mm. we've built the website or someone else has, we have a lot of clients for whom we do security monitoring and maintenance, um, helping them iterate their websites rather than need to you know make a giant rehabs every every three years or something. Um, so that's one side of the business. And the other side of the business is content marketing, where we're helping them um, more directly with the marketing muscle that you and I were talking mm -hmm. about a little bit earlier, where, well, what does the website do? How are we tying in social media? Can we help you manage your email marketing, um, uh, pay-per-click advertising, content uh, development and strategy? And some of that is very hands-on and, and uh, tactical. We're, we're actually doing the work for our clients. And some of it is we're meeting with them weekly or monthly to keep them pointed in the right direction, provide strategic overview, and um, you know, help them with a little bit of outside perspective as they make those decisions. Yeah. Now, there's so many different social media platforms these days and, and places where businesses could be. And if you're a small business, it's really hard to keep on top of all of that. So how do you find out which are the platforms that are going to work for you? you the, uh, the answer here is an answer I'll give to a lot of questions you might ask, um, <laughs> which is ask. You've got to listen. Um, you want to be where your audience is. You're, you really, it, there's so much um, clutter and noise in the world, uh, online and off, that you're not going to easily just bring people to your website in mm -hmm. and of itself. So uh, listening, asking, finding out where they are, um, that's a critical part of, of figuring out which platforms are going to be the best place to, to meet them, to, to uh, uh, connect with them where they already are. Um, I think it's really just as simple as that. Mm. And how about using analytics for you know, on your website and your social media? Um, would you advocate the use of that? Absolutely. And that's, uh, I, now you've pointed out that my last answer was incomplete. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, analytics, uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll uh, cover my tracks by saying, well, that's a form of listening as well. Mm. You absolutely want to have analytics on your website. Um, just about every social media platform has analytics built into it. And of course, there are outside packages that you can overlay uh, all of them and uh, try and uh, pull all that information together. Those can be useful in, as a way to create dashboards that help you, you know, sort of escape the fire hose of data and mm. get down to the, the, the insights that you're trying to glean from this. And in those cases, you can see, for example, on your website, how much of your content came from 
uh, social media platforms in general from a particular social media platform. Um, if you're publishing content uh, in on third-party platforms, it can tell you what uh, uh, how they're doing in uh, generating traffic to the website. And you know, for our clients, that's typically. Just about as far as it goes, you know, if you're a, a B2C or there's a, a purchase option, if you're selling a product or service on your website, you can even see how those various channels are doing in terms of driving sales. Mm-hmm. Now, social media, it, it's a hungry beast, isn't it? You've got to keep feeding it content. So where can you get inspiration for posts when you're thinking, I just don't know what to write today? <laughs> Yeah, um, well, part of the answer, I think, is uh, in that last word of your question, today. That's, uh, that's a terrible place to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, needing to write something today. Um, and we definitely encourage clients. And one of the things that we do for a lot of our clients on the content marketing front is creating editorial calendars. Um, mm. What are you going to publish? How often are you going to publish it? What kind of content is it? Um, in in a lot of different ways, uh, there are different kinds of content, of course, based on which uh, product line or service line you might be featuring. Um, but also, you want to think about, well, is this content appealing to someone who has just heard of us versus someone who is, you know, three quarters or, you know, four fifths of the way through their uh, buying journey? And they already know who you are. They already know what the options are. They know the lingo and they're going to be interested in how you are different from the other last little group of competitors that they're considering. Mm -hmm. So there are different kinds of content and you should be balancing what you're putting out there um, based on, you know, who the audience is and uh, um, where you're trying to meet them. Yeah. Now, networking is another way beyond your website and your social media to, to spread the word about what you do. So how, how do you grow your network? Uh, how do I grow my network? Um, being nice, I think, is uh, <laughs> often overlooked and, and uh, uh, underrated. Um, you know, I think that for small businesses in particular, networking is a form of marketing and, and vice versa. So, you know, some of the same ideas or concepts apply. Uh, and I think for me, the um, most important of those or the, the, the most important that carries over to both is um, operating from the other person's perspective, whether that's your prospect who's coming to your website or your partner in a conversation uh, that, you know, someone that you're, you're networking with, that you want to understand what they, uh, what they need and how you can help them. That's, uh, I think, really the only way to grow a network is by creating uh, the kinds of relationships that people feel that they are getting as much as they're giving um, and not just that you're out there pitching them. Right. Like that. We've all mm-hmm. been stuck in those networking conversations yep. <laughs> where someone just wants to sell you. And really, <laughs> that's their only goal, not looking uh, down the road to how you might help one another yeah. um, over the course of uh, a few months or a lifetime. Yeah. Yes. It's all about making it about them, not about you, isn't it? Yeah, that really is the truth. That's exactly how I would put it, um, both for, for marketing and for networking. So how would you connect together your, your networking activities and, and your content marketing? Uh, let's see. There are a couple of different ways that I think uh, come to mind. Um, one of them is having content that you can share with folks um, who you've just met or who you met some months ago, some period of time ago, and are looking to stay in touch with. 
Uh, one of the other, you know, great banes of networking, I would say, is, or, or sales even, um, is the checking in email or, mm -hmm. or call, right? Hey, how are you? Just checking in. Like there's absolutely no value to that yeah. in the recipient. And having some interesting article that you can say, hey, I just saw this and I think it might be of, of interest to you. Um, hey, I just posted this on LinkedIn and I think you might be interested. You should take a look. Um, and if you can make it a little bit more specific, particularly, the, you know, the more specific you can make it to a person's business or the last conversation you had with them, um, the more it will resonate and the more they will feel that you are indeed interested in who they are and what their needs are and, and um and taking the time to, to reach out with something that will be helpful to their business. And, you know, no one, I don't, I, I don't think very many people uh, expect uh, the rest of us to be completely selfless. Of course, they mm -hmm. recognize that there's something in it for you. But if there's something in it for them, that's pretty compelling. Yeah, I think if you can give people something of value, um, they'll remember you, won't they? Indeed, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Especially if it turns into a big win for them, you know, personally or professionally. Yes, yes. So do you do you attend networking events? And, and if so, what kind of events do you find it useful to go to? Gosh, isn't that a that's a before and after question these <laughs> days, right? Um, uh, we were uh, based in in New York, New York City proper. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there were no sure I could have spent all day every day networking. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and, and never actually doing any work. So uh, before, you know, the world shut down, I attended a lot of networking events of a lot of different kinds. Some of them were, you know, very general sort of uh, you know, the, the cocktail party model where mm -hmm. you're, you know, out there on your own to try and sort out who it is that you are um, going to find uh, uh, helpful to talk to. Uh, some of them were industry events, whether um, marketing related or related to uh, industries in which we work um, and meeting folks where you can be a little bit more targeted. Um, and uh, of course, there's also a component of you know, sort of smaller, I'll call it retail networking, where um, knowing someone and talking to them about something that you might be working on or, or interested in or an area of your business that uh, uh, you're trying to expand and hoping that they will um, share some folks in their network who you don't know, who might be helpful in that or uh, might be interested in uh, learning more about what, you, you know, some new initiative that you have. So I think all of those have helped us over the years. And of course, I think all of that still applies in our, our uh, post-COVID world, uh, but now it all happens with us um, only being visible from the torso up <laughs> on a Zoom call. Yes, <laughs> things certainly did change very rapidly. And, and I don't think, you know, it's not necessarily been a, been a bad thing. I mean, I've, I've been able to network with people on you know, the other side of the planet, which I would never have been able to do before COVID. It just wouldn't have happened. Indeed, I agree. I, I've absolutely met some folks um, uh, all on three or four continents that come to mind just uh, uh, as we're talking about it. Um, and it's also uh, quite easy to um, schedule far many more meetings because mm -hmm. even in New York, which is you know so dense, uh, you know in terms of population. Uh, you know, meeting, it'll take you a half an hour or 40 minutes to go from one meeting to the next. Mm. And how many of those can you squeeze into a day before you're not getting any work done? Um, it's just so much easier uh, this way. I certainly, I think you'll probably agree that um, the, uh, I don't know, I don't know if this will translate culturally, but, you know, the Brady Bunch or Hollywood Squares, mm -hmm. yes. you know, the, the, that, 
those networking calls, I've, I'm really burned out on those. It, mm-hmm. I think they're very, they've gotten to be very draining for me, and I don't do as many of them as I was doing early on. Um, but uh, still, lots and lots of one-on-one calls and, you know, folks that uh, I already know, um, hoping that, you know, we can help each other more immediately, and folks that I'm just meeting. So, Yeah. So just finally then, Andy, if people want to know more about you or about your company, what is the best place for them to find you? Well, there are two places I would uh, hope to send them. One, of course, is our website. It's andigo.com, A-N-D-I-G-O. You'll see all sorts of information there about the work we do, but also there's a resources section with a lot of interesting articles and links to um, articles that I've written on other uh, publications uh, that you can see. And also, I would send them to, um, to Amazon to have a look for my book, which came out earlier this year, Marketing for Small B2B Businesses, How Content Creates Marketing Muscle and Powers Traditional and Digital Marketing. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for being my guest. And um, best of luck with the book sales. That sounds very exciting. And uh, yeah, and best of luck with the all networking as well. Uh, thanks, Liz. It was really a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to Small Business Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.